Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor of Fightful.com and FightfulWrestling.com. It is the Impact Redemption post-show podcast. I'm not alone today. Some of you are watching this on WrestleView.com. We're doing a simulcast, and I'm here with WrestleView's Adam Martin. Adam, how's it going? I'm, uh, I'm tired after watching Lucha guys flip around for three hours. This was a overwhelming in-ring uh show these t well i don't know tna shows but these impact shows um sometimes man it just it's uh it's a lot to cover all at once so i try not to pack it all in but uh, this is is this like our version of impact versus lucha underground because there's a lot of a lot of crossover stuff on the show and i just kind of realized that's what we're sort of doing here on the uh, on the podcast i guess i guess it is and impact has kind of embraced this notion that they're an independent with tv and i think it's it's worked out better for them because this is the most buzz i've seen for anything impact related positive in a very very long time yes um i i will say i was noticing some stuff as i was um i was on well of course the twitter machine and people are, are chiming in and stuff and there was i mean we have to be brutally honest i mean at least i'm going to be um with the the state of this company and there's been it had it, it literally was a year, almost a, well, a little over a year ago when the whole anthem purchase and jeff jared and his regime brought in that fizzled out we saw a sort of version of that last summer with slam anniversary um and then of whatever version you want to call bound for glory was in canada um which you know i was looking at the the card for bound for glory and like a ton of people that were on that show were not part of this show tonight oh yeah but just in the last like two three months i mean 
with how much television this company tapes in advance, how much uh, talent leaves or comes back. I mean, there was there was a nice mix of, you know, kind of winks of the Scott Steiner, Petey Williams, old school stuff. There was there was enough, uh, I think, people on the show that if you haven't been watching impact every week on pop tv which based on the ratings a lot of people don't do yes um this this your first little glimpse i i will say and i know we're we're probably going to jump around on this but sure don Callis was a much needed person oh yeah commentary tonight just totally sanjay dutt's a super nice dude but he sounded like he was on laughing gas a couple weeks ago (laughs) just everything he laughed at it was so obnoxious yeah uh, I noticed tonight, no Johnny Impact. There, there's no Sienna. There's no uh, Abyss. So a lot of their key guy or key people that have been pushed heavily over the last several years, just just not there. And I don't think that the show suffered because I didn't notice it until I went back to look who was on the the Bound for Glory show, who wasn't on this show tonight, who weren't on this show tonight, rather. Well, like Johnny Impact not being there was kind of weird, um, even though because he's been all over television. But I don't know if that just didn't line up with what they're doing with storyline wise. I was looking at the like the the last card, um, you know, obviously like no Lashley. Uh, there was Eli Drake, but you know, I I did like that. But it's funny to see him kind of I don't want to say reduce himself, but just kind of change around the card a little bit. But you know, uh, no EC3, no James Storm, no Abyss, no, you know, I mean, obviously they had a lot of the X Division guys in there that have been there, you know, back and forth, but it is like the new kind of trend, which is a lot of new faces. It felt, I, I said on Twitter that it felt like Impact Wrestling Lucha Redemption tonight. I mean, it was a lot yeah. of, a lot of Lucha underground plugs, which was interesting. So they're really embracing the co promotion, which, which is, you know, they've been kind of doing that for, a little over a year now, but a lot of uh, a lot of embracing that stuff tonight. I, I had somebody that said, "I don't know where the X Division's going from here," and I said, "Well, based on what I saw tonight, Tommy Dreamer's the only guy on the roster who doesn't qualify for that division. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is like doing flips through ladders, and uh, even Eli Drake busting out like springboard moonsaults. Scott Steiner hit a top rope Frankensteiner. That was amazing. At fifty something years old, let's let's go ahead and talk about it. Aerostar." Versus Drago, Aerostar picked up the win. As you mentioned, Don Callis, first thing you notice when you when you hear this show. That improved commentary significantly, and I thought that he brought Josh Matthews up, not just a notch or two, shot him way up to the best maybe I've ever heard Josh Matthews call pro wrestling. Josh also lost his voice about, what, an hour into the show. It sounded yes, like he, he was talking about it on commentary, but... Yeah, I don't know if it... Um, and it was weird, because like I, w- I would watch the clips with Sanjay with him on commentary... And I didn't think it was terrible, but it definitely did not. There was there was immediate. I remember response to when Don Callis became involved with uh, with the executive team, and people were like, "Why is this dude not on commentary?" I mean, he's so good with New Japan, and obviously he has his own kind of uh, chemistry with uh, with Kevin Kelly. But and I don't know if this is going to be just a pay per view only thing. Um, if they're going to continue to go with Josh yeah. and Sanjay, because Josh and Sanjay do all these like social media videos where they're they're filming they're they're you know uh recording audio for tv shows and promos and promoting stuff so i don't know if that's still in-house going to be the team going forward but uh yeah he was it was very it was kind of almost um who was the espn commentator that did slammiversary uh robert flores yes i noticed instantly how much more comfortable and better the presentation of the commentary was with him 
at Slammiversary. Mm-hmm. So it is, and I don't know if this is just like a, a thing they're they're trying out for pay per view only, which I would be okay with. Not and you've watched more of Sanjay in that two hour format. I'm I'm more the watch the YouTube clips with the mm-hmm. four five minutes at a time. So maybe you're you're going to even then it was almost you almost couldn't ignore it. Like anything that happened, Sanjay is like Scott Steiner called him a millennial. Ha ha ha. And I was like, why is that funny? Yeah. Like, why are you cracking up over that? I didn't quite get it. But uh, this this was noticeable from the outset, how, how much better it was with Callis. And Josh Matthews is putting over Lucha Underground early and often. I'm really happy to hear a lively crowd for once because whether you watch the two-hour show or you watch the YouTube clips, you can tell, like, the longer you get into these tapings, the deader the crowd gets. Like, I watched a sad Congo Kong versus Johnny Impact match. That if anybody coughed, you would hear it. Sure, I I remember. I think I got um I got like a tweet from somebody who said uh, that there was like two hundred people in line, but a lot of it was family and friends tonight. But if that's the truth, again, I don't know. That's what people say. I think it was um I forget who tweeted it out, so I'll try to give them credit later in the show tonight. Um, but it it was a lively crowd, and that is the one thing. So that that was a noticeable thing at bond for glory when they were in that, whatever you want to call that place was in, um, in Ottawa, uh, yeah. Complex or wherever it was. And that had the huge ceiling. So it did kind of have like a big show vibe, but the crowd was pretty loud, but it did start to go away as the show went on. But it did feel like the crowd was into everything. And if it was only 200 people in there, which it looked like 200 people, if we're being gracious, um, they did keep their attention. They did keep their enthusiasm. They were making noise. That is the one thing. I mean, going back to the Nashville asylum days where even, I mean, obviously there was more people in the, in the asylum in Nashville, but like that is the one thing that's really always hurt TNA is, is and sometimes they would, they would pipe in fake crowd noises on, on paper news yeah. and especially the, the post-produced television. They were so guilty of doing that. Uh, but tonight did feel pretty organic. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you can kind of create an atmosphere audibly that sounds better than maybe it was, but it did. There was, I mean, I, I mean, there was a couple matches where there was a little lulls, especially the, the, the co-main event with Ali and Sue Young, but still it was just, you, you, you I think there, there was some genuine enthusiasm there, which made the show kind of flow uh, pretty good presentation wise. Yeah, that match was put into a rough spot too, but but we'll get to that. They're and they're planning on running some nightclub with it's apparently pretty big for Slammiversary, but we'll we'll talk about that in due time. I thought that Aerostar and Drago was Drago was the first or the right match to kick off this show. It was fast paced. Uh, they know each other well. They were the right combo to get the crowd going. Drago kicks Aerostar in the chest, going while Aerostar goes for that like Jeff Hardy rebound drop kick. And Drago's over big here. He followed up with a twisting Tope Conhilo. Uh, Josh Matthews points out that you can't really read a person wearing a mask, which I thought was a nice touch. You couldn't really, you can't really tell if somebody's feeling pain if they're wearing the mask. They uh, like superset the lucha trend with this match, like right away. Although there was some weird, um, there was this weird thing tonight. I think it was so from the hard camera shot, the left back turnbuckle that's kind of right next to the barricade people kept slipping on that and it would and again it it was interesting for me to hear them acknowledge the botch and then the wrestler would just kind of work through it but then it kept happening like later on in the show and i noticed don Callis and josh matthews and may have been josh matthews who said 
there must be something wrong with that rope. Everyone keeps slipping on it. I mean, a lot of times, and I liked how Don Callis is like, well, you know, this is a new regime. Everyone's kind of nervous. It's our first show out. And so he was kind of playing off the nerves and Josh was looking for something to, to kind of blame. But there was a couple, I mean, you get that with, I mean, I know there's, there's people, uh, I have a good friend of mine named Josh Boutwell who used to work on WrestleView, who's a total homer for Lucha Libre. I mean, he has to know that, that, I mean, that's just kind of what comes with Lucha style. There's going to be a yeah. lot of mistakes. There's going to be a lot of botches. Um, when they're moving that fast and they're blowing through spots and they're not really taking their time I mean, that's going to happen. But, um, I don't know. They seem kind of, I mean, there, there was, I, the, the one thing I do, I do not like about Lucha is the, the pause spots. They're very long and yes. for, for such a fast pace that they work, they really like, they'll just blow through stuff and then they'll just sit there and kind of like, okay, now what are we going to do next? And I don't know. I, I noticed that with this opener. And I noticed it with a lot of the other uh, kind of Lucha matches. I mean, it was very. Aerostar seemed like he would hesitate and like look. He would get snap mared and he would sit there at the 90 degree angle and like look back waiting on Drago to kick him. Yes. And I was like, ah, I don't like that. There were just some spots where I thought Aerostar in particular was a little, little offbeat on. Uh, drag, Drago hits a corkscrew springboard arm drag into a nice pinning combination that I loved. Uh, then uh, that senton that Aerostar does is just magnificent looking. It's dangerous looking. It looked like he cracked Drago in the head, but uh, Drago ended up recovering, getting a hangman DDT. Then there's this power bomb, but then uh, Aerostar lands a springboard cutter. Then Aerostar goes out and he has the aforementioned botch, but comes back in and wins uh, with a springboard code breaker. You think that was the spot he was supposed to go to initially? Was that springboard yeah. code breaker? And speaking of the code breaker, holy shit, did people do that one to death tonight? I mean, four, four times way over. And and this is like, and I I said on Twitter, it became like what the suicide dive was becoming in the WWE where like everybody was doing it and everybody was doing the code breaker tonight. And I don't know if that was just like something everybody talked about or somebody saw somebody do it once. So they decided to add it to a match later. But like, yeah, they needed to, they needed, I mean, also, if I'm DJZ, I'm maybe not doing that top rope Frankensteiner one match after Scott Steiner does. I was that too, and I was also incredibly annoyed by the sounder they have for him now when he. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so bad. Speaking yes. of Scott Steiner, he and Eli Drake are now the Impact World Tag Team Champions. They defeated LAX. I love this combination of LAX. This is a real good one, probably the best since the the original. Josh Matthews told a story about how Santana skipped his prom and graduation to start wrestling. I thought that was a really nice touch, but man, these two guys can go. I thought Steiner looked pretty good early on. He hit those two reverse STOs and the clotheslines. He didn't do anything that I looked at and thought, man, that looked bad. He was a little slow. Um, yeah. Well, he's 50-something. 55. He wears a T-shirt now. He's not showing off the the, the body, yeah. which, you know, I, you can't get madder to do that age for not wanting to take a shirt off, but um i was shocked that he did the frankensteiner when i saw him going up there i was like okay they're just gonna have fun with this and set this up but very surprised he did that um i like his involvement in, in this company like i know it's i mean they, they played off the the pd williams history later on in the night with a promo um was was he he was on the slammiversary card right if i'm not mistaken last year yeah where he yeah. teamed with uh who did he team with josh matthews josh matthews that's right so I thought that was fun last year. I had I had a blast watching that stuff. Because they didn't they do it, uh, bro, or they did it like deletion style, right? Yeah, they did very yeah exactly very deletion style. 
Um, he's just, I mean, the promo stuff that he was doing on impact leading up to the match was, he's just, he's, I mean, yeah, you're not going to get a lot of him physically in the ring anymore, but just like the little small stuff. Like I noticed when he walked out and he got up on the ring apron and he was just like talking crazy shit to the crowd and the crowd was flipping him off and he was flipping the crowd off. And he was, I mean, before the match even started. So I thought that was really good. I have to say, I, you know, I, the LAX stuff. I was so in love with this act in the Spike TV days. I loved it so much. Um, and then when they brought it back, I was a little hesitant with, but I, I liked that they tried to put the focus on two new guys with Santana and Ortiz. They're obviously like super flippy guys, but they make that work in a tag team scenario, if that makes sense. So I don't, I don't feel like they're just like blowing through stuff to try to impress people. Like everything they did kind of, from a from an offense standpoint made sense and they still were able to do this working yeah. a 55 year old scott steiner which oh, I-, I love that assisted senton they did where santana was on his knees on ortiz's shoulders and rolled it through and then right into the moonsault that was so smooth that was just really really good i love this combination and you know who knows if homicide will ever come back there and do anything and they that that group gets whittled away really, really quickly, it seems like it, they they start with five people all the time and it gets knocked down to two or three pretty quickly. But I, I love the way that they work together. And <laughs> Scott Steiner does that Frankensteiner. Eli Drake hits a springboard moonsault. I was like, what the hell is going on? 2018. Everyone on, on Twitter was asking what year it was when Steiner won. <laughs> so that was fun. But yeah, no, that was good. I enjoyed that. Eli Drake gets the pin with the gravy train. Scott Steiner is a tag team champion in Impact Wrestling in 2018. Fun match, though. I, I had I had a ball watching that. I think that was my favorite thing of the show tonight, with without question. I mean, I know that's that's not going to be popular with the people that you know want to chant this is wrestling and stuff. But sure, I I mean I I do I have to tell you I mean this this is me being brutally honest about this company. You have to find the pockets of entertainment with them because it's it's just i mean imagine trying to explain to somebody what this company represents right now why i mean now they they would put together video packages to try to explain to you why these matches were taking place and i thought they did a good job of that yeah but for the most part i mean if you decided to i mean the other problem this is stuff i saw when we were announcing we were going to do the simulcast was everyone was focusing in on the 40 dollar price tag tonight yep 40 dollars for a company that's been struggling for uh, over a year now not much of an identity a lot of you know a lot of people on the card tonight that may not be part of the tv tapings maybe they will maybe they won't but they tape so much television in advance that it's hard to predict who's going to be and who's out i don't even know if they sign people anymore they bring them in for a couple tapings yeah they just it's in a, just a pay per show deal pay and- per show yeah and that's probably what they should do i mean they're embracing that that role. And obviously if you have a champion, you make sure that they're back for the next set of tapings. But yeah, I, I just, it's, it's a company. I, I would not know how to explain this to somebody that just totally tapped out. And a lot of people have tapped out and I think they're aware of that. And Scott, the has been doing, um, you know, a lot of press and a lot of, you know, sports illustrated stuff. And, and, you know, he's been, he's been trying to make that work where he's trying to set kind of a narrative of like, yes, we know we've screwed up and we're trying to fix this, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you would go about explaining that. Unfortunately for Callis and Demore, that's happened so many times prior. Like you've had how many times have you seen Impact Wrestling reboots? Like, oh, here we go again, new name, new company, new ownership, yada yada yada. 
And even when Jarrett came in, I was like, okay, that's not too bad because when Jarrett doesn't book himself, I think that he can book pretty well. However, I think that the formula, the right formula is Callis and Demore. I always liked Demore and what he would do with that company and some of the people he would bring in. He was responsible for a lot of the great people that they brought in uh, 10, 10, 15 years ago. But the thing is, it's tough to get people to pay 40 bucks for this. I don't know why they didn't just say, hey, you order a three-month block of the network that we have and you get this pay-per-view. Just three months and then the next time for Slammiversary, you do the next three months. Uh, Bound for Glory rolls around, you do another three-month block because you're getting to keep maybe 15 to $20 of this because the cable companies keep the other half or fights keeping the other half. So that's that's tough, man. And when for the price of this, you can get WWE Network, you can get High Spots Network, you can get New Japan World, and you can get essentially the price of Honor Club monthly, all rolled into one. That is a tough, tough sell. I, and the thing is, and I, I know I was picking on them, and I, I'm sorry, but when they're saying, you know, millions of people are watching tonight, I'm sure that was very yeah. cool by Josh, but, you know, like obviously there was going to be people seeing things on social media tonight that maybe didn't decide to order this for $40, but you're right though, that the marketplace and the decision to, to have this price tag, now maybe that's out of their hands, I'm, I'm focusing on the $40 price tag with Fight TV, which, by the way, all of a sudden they're featuring on their main page, they're promoting it on their broadcast and they're promoting it on Twitter and all their social media. That was not the case. The last couple of pay-per-views. I mean, you could get it on fight TV and they would promote like, Oh, you could jump in a chat room and, you know, talk to velvet sky while the, while the broadcast is taking place. But that's a new thing that they're saying, Hey, you can watch us on fight TV and they're not really promoting traditional pay-per-view, but $40. I mean, you just listed all those examples of what you could be getting right now in the current marketplace when it comes to wrestling uh yeah i don't know that's and a lot of people say why not put it on twitch i had a lot of people ask me that why are they not broadcast you know something on twitch and you know is i don't even know if like from a twitch perspective if you can create a a pay portal for that or or you know what's funny they would have probably made more off of twitch tips than they did selling pay-per-views tonight and i'm not kidding with the with the type of action they had tonight they would have probably made more streaming that for free and picking up two or three dollars here and there from people willing to tip than they would have $40 a pop, $40 a pop, man. Do they have Twitch uh, tips when they do, um, when they do other stuff like that? Do they do? I, I don't know, but I'm sure it can be set up. I mean, they're, they're in a partnership with Twitch. So it can't be t- that tough. I don't know if they took, you know, tips for their, their Twitch specials and stuff like that. So they should, should. they should take more money. Cage defeated Desmond Xavier. El Hijo del Fantasma, Trevor Lee, Taiji Ishimori, and DJ Z. Again, really fast-paced. Everyone uh, gets in as Brian Cage waits patiently for his opportunity. The crowd was begging for him. Impact has built him heavily over the last couple of months. Uh, this was <laughs> The story of this was Trevor Lee would keep going after Brian Cage, and then Brian Cage accidentally kind of got stumbled into and tagged in. And he went wild. Uh, Brian Cage kept up with everybody. He had a slip up again in that corner that we talked about earlier. Yeah, he he screwed up bad. He was, what was he going for? Like a springboard moonsault or something like that? And then yeah, he, second rope springboard moonsault. Totally, totally boxed that one. But he, I will give him credit. He went right back for it again. He hit it. I, I really did like having, you know, his, you know, obviously the, the big muscle dude 
just in the middle of all this like chaos with all these dudes just flipping around and then Trevor Lee, like you said, picking on him and trying to throw the elbows and then running away and then eventually getting in there and, you know, beating him up. But I, I liked having him because I, the, the one thing commentary was really trying to mention was, you know, you're not used to seeing Brian cage in this kind of scenario. At least you, <laughs> I mean, unless, I mean, he's done Lucha stuff right before. I mean, I mean, like he's, he's one of the big characters on Lucha underground. Exactly. So, I mean, it's like, if, if you're not now granted, I am not an avid Lucha underground watcher. So this yeah. is some of the first stuff I've really seen from him outside of the stuff that they've shown on pop TV, but he obviously has done stuff like this before, but I, I love that kind of, it's just from a, from a visual standpoint, it's very entertaining to see this big muscle dude in there with, Mm-hmm. guys they're just flipping around but they uh you know it was again th- this is this is that this is you're either going to really love this kind of wrestling where there's just non-stop stuff happening or you just like your brain is just like wow like oh like there's just so much happening and i don't know if it's could be my fault because i'm sitting there trying to recap the show and and doing my best to and maybe that's a mistake on my part maybe i'm wasting my time trying to give detailed you know play by play of these crazy matches but that really did stick out to me tonight was, was his presence in the ring. And it wasn't just oh, yeah. a typical squash match, which is what he's been doing on TV. But I thought they did this really good tonight. I love the urgency from Desmond Xavier when he starts beating away at Cage and he's like yelling to Phantasma. He's like, come on, this is our chance to get this guy hurt. It didn't work, but I liked it anyway because uh, Cage caught both of them, beat him down. Cage got caught with the collision course from Lee, which is like a – moonsault fall away slam that that is rebounded off of the ropes thought that was really cool uh as far as phantasma goes i'm partial to his king cuerno character in lucha underground but there aren't a a lot of differences he just looked way cooler as king cuerno because he just kind of looks like a generic nes luchador (laughs) wearing the purple stuff that he has there but this was another fine match as i mean there there was no match on this show that i looked at and said that was bad. So, I mean, that's that's a big plus for an Impact Wrestling pay-per-view. No, that no, that's a very good point because I think I, I remember, you know, covering Bound for Glory. There was a couple matches that just kind of were duds. Um, I remember Ishimori and Tyson uh, was kind of a dud. And Tyson Dukes, yeah. The, the triple threat women's match was kind of a dud because it, it just ended with a sudden. And, and weird, the weird finish where you're like, hey, let's do a screw job in our main event. Yeah, yeah. On we, a $40 pay-per-view. That was that was really weird. So yeah, there was a lot of moments on that show. It was weird because Slammiversary, I thought, had kind of a similar vibe to the show where it was just kind of fun. And I don't know if that's the hey, we're new and we haven't really done a show with this regime and that you get kind of caught up in that stuff, even though like a lot of people probably watching doesn't really care about that stuff. But they're so out front with it and they're they're doing so much press about it and they're commenting and they're they're you know admitting to mistakes they've made. And they and you have Don Callis on commentary tonight talking about that openly, how this is, you know, the new yeah. regime and the new show. But it did. It, it really did have I mean, obviously there probably wasn't a lot of people that wanted to spend forty dollars on the show. Um, especially if you look at the card, like obviously there were some recognizable names, but unless you're like super duper hardcore lucha underground, you know, hardcore indie wrestling fan, like for the most part you know, you're not going to look at this card and be like, wow, I need to spend $40 on this show tonight on a Sunday night. Like it's just, that's, that's the hurdle they're going to face with with the show. And I think they know that and they're trying to get through the show and really build towards uh, the show in July, which is crazy that that's coming up as as quickly as it is. I like that cage uses the the Steiner screwdriver, especially if he's going to be facing smaller guys. Didn't look so great when he did it weeks ago against EC3, but it looked great against Xavier. 
However, that weapon X move, that is a lot of weird motions to get to a reverse STO. Like he throws him up on his shoulders, then his back, then a gory special, then he spins him around six times I just they to hit him with an STO. It looked like they screwed it up, and then I'm like, oh, okay, and then he just kind yeah. of commentary was cool with it, so I guess I had to be cool with it as well. They were just like, oh, it was supposed to happen, so. Yeah, the cage push continues. Up next, Taya versus Kiara Hogan. Now, I want to say Kiara Hogan looks great in almost every match she does. This is the best I've ever seen Taya look in Impact Wrestling. And even though this was a fine match that Taya won, I don't really have a ton of notes for it because this whole match was used to just establish Tessa Blanchard is here. It was Tessa Blanchard. If you missed it, it was her yelling into her commentary <laughs> uh, headset for like 15 minutes or maybe just abusing Josh Matthews. Well, and, and they had fun, but I don't think she realizes that when you're on commentary, you don't have to shout as loud. Yeah. So she was like yelling profusely into her microphone. So I found myself becoming so distracted by her commentary that it was hard for me to really focus on anything that was going on in the match. And the match itself was kind of, it was strange where like Ty Valkyrie would just like start smiling as like moves were being done to her. So I'm kind of confused on what she's attempting to do with her offense presentation or, or what, whatever she's trying to, like, I know she's like, she's like the, the goddess as she walks to the ring. Again, a lot of these people I have not been watching for very long. So this is, this is fun for me to kind of, get a, get a really good glimpse at them outside of like the, the quick little YouTube clips. Um, she seems fine in the ring, but like, I don't know, like, like Kira was trying to do like the baby face comeback, you know, baby face and peril kind of stuff. And Taya was just like smiling at the camera a lot and smiling at her and she'd get slapped yeah. in the face and she'd smile a little bit more. And then, then Tessa would yell something on commentary. And then I would just, it was very distracting tonight. It was. I think Kira Hogan is going to get snatched up by WWE, probably by the If she's not in WWE by the end of next year, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, she's got but, but then again, a lot of people thought that about Tessa Blanchard, too, and here she is. Yeah. While her boyfriend is uh, helping run things on NXT. Uh, this was a fine match, but like you said, it was Tessa yelling. Yeah. Up That's- next, Impact X Division Championship. Matt, Matt Seidel defended against Petey Williams. Won. Backstage before this, Petey Williams is trying to do math when Scott Steiner rolls up, breaks down the equation for him. They agree to go to Cracker Barrel after the show. If I was Scott Steiner, as I was walking off, I would have said, fuck that, we're going to Shoney's. <laughs> I liked the interaction between them because that they did. I remember like Petey made a career out of Vines when Vine was still a thing with Scott Steiner. Like whenever they would do a show together, some yeah. indie show together. But it was it was fun to to play off of the and again I I I I sometimes wonder like am I the only person that remembers the Scott Steiner Petey Williams stuff? But again, a lot of people remember the promo. But um, that stuff was fun. I don't know. So what is what is Matt Seidel's? Is he is he a, a yoga slash Pilates instructor? Yeah, he's, a, he's a douchey yoga guy, I guess. <laughs> they did say they did call him a douche on Don Callis called him a douche on commentary, if I'm not mistaken. So. That's okay. His so, gimmick is guy who gets caught at airport with weed. Okay, which is yeah, there. He, yeah, that's that's <laughs> what his gimmick is. He's just living his own life. Then I guess that's what he's doing. I love that inverted uh, death lock he did with the. I think it was pretty much a cravat that he applied uh, to start off the match. That was a really good touch. It seemed like Callis and Matthews were calling this as almost as a world championship match. I could tell it the tone of their voices. I thought that was good. Matthew seemed like he cared. He didn't have his over-the-top voice. He used to do this thing where he would like stress syllables 
extra. He'd be like, Petey Williams. And I'm like, man, dude, just say the words. Josh is a weird commentary guy. I've, he's kind of like, it's like there's times where I'm like, wow, he's really good at this. And there's other times, yeah. I'm like, why does he talk that way? Why is he, why, why, in, why is the inflection on certain words? And it's kind of, and again, he lost his voice tonight. So there we do a lot of, a lot of quiet Josh Matthews commentary, a lot of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the um, one thing I really did like in the match tonight was they were they were playing up the fact that Petey gave the Canadian Destroyer for the first time in his career to Matt Seidel at some indie show, like however long ago it was. Mm-hmm. So they were really playing that up, and they're kind of like, which is kind of what most Petey Williams matches are of. And it's still strange that I'm watching Petey Williams wrestle in 2018 because I'm pretty sure the dude retired from professional wrestling, yeah. and now he's back, and now we're just supposed to like, okay, cool, I guess you're back now. Um, but it's really weird to be watching this dude who was like so ingrained into the early days of TNA and the Fox sports in that era and the spike TV era to be back. But, but yeah, the, there was a moment where he put a sharpshooter on Matt Seidel and I loved that he grabbed his arm and locked it to prevent him from, mm-hmm. from grabbing the, there was just very, there was very small, subtle stuff. And I noticed commentary too, was like, you know, this isn't going to be your typical X division match. Like there was a little bit of a different vibe and a little bit of a different presentation. So I, I really liked this match. I thought they did pretty good tonight. And I was kind of thrown off by the kind of that counter finish that they did uh, between the two of them. But I, I thought they did a good job. Yeah, I did too. The crowd wasn't as as wild for this match, but it, it was a slower pace. But then again, when your first two or three matches are Aerostar and Drago, a tag team title match with LAX, and then a six-person X Division match, it's going to be tough. And I, I even said that on the preview show. I was like, this might be the fourth or fifth fastest paced match on the show. And it's the X division championship match. Uh, yeah. Petey Williams retired for three years. He was just gone from July of 14 to July of 17. And when Callis and Demore showed up, they were like, Hey, yeah, maybe you should come back. And he was still in shape. So it worked out for him. Uh, Williams hit a TKO, then a sharpshooter code breaker off the apron. As we mentioned, that happened a lot. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for three forty nine dollars a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details many code breakers tonight who do you think who do you think's agenting these or working as an agent for these matches um well who is back there now because it's not it's not shane helms anymore it's not al snow it's usually dut and abyss and gail kim i think oh you're right gail kim is back there now so yeah i don't know why they let that one slide or if again if people were watching and they saw people doing code breakers and like oh that looks cool like i'll put that in my match tonight it was 
too many code breakers tonight. It was it was by the third or fourth. How many was there total? Like four? I think, I think four. Ugh, yeah. Between it, that and the, the Frankensteiners and back-to-back matches, I was like, ah. Because that was a big spot for Scott Steiner. And for DJZ to come in and do that the next match, no, uh, and even an even prettier one, a higher one, I was like, oh, man. Well, Williams gets his knees up on a shooting star press and a Canadian destroyer hits, but Seidel rolls out of the ring. When they get back in, there's a couple more missed finishes. But then Seidel wins it with a modified here it is driver. I love that pin. That was really nice. That was a good way to end it. Uh, another solid match. And at this point, I'm sitting here thinking, like, I don't want to speak now. I don't want to speak early. But Impact's doing pretty good tonight. Not bad. It was, it, you know, the, the standard that was set with Bound for Glory, um, which was not a good show. I thought that show was terrible. Um, there was an interesting vibe tonight. I noticed they they have kind of a new looking stage and they just kind of there was there was kind of a different vibe. I mean, production was pretty good for the most part tonight. I'm going to pay attention to production stuff. I'm sorry. I just if you're going to do, you know, if you're going to charge people $40, I'm going to really pay attention to that stuff. They had a lot of glitches in Ottawa for their production. So I thought that was really tight tonight. Um, But yeah, I was thinking kind of the same thing. Like I was almost like that where you you kind of forget to look at the clock. I mean, you know the, the the matches that have progressed. You know kind of what's still to come. But I did kind of have that moment. I was like, wow, this show's actually kind of flowing pretty good. And I was expecting the total opposite out of this show with, you know, I wasn't really that big on the card. I know you were kind of saying some stuff on Twitter where you thought it was a really good card. I don't know because I don't, I don't really, you know, some of these guys are just not in my wheelhouse. So I was just like, okay, I guess and it was – I was intrigued to see a lot of these people, you know, wrestle in a live scenario for the first time over, you know, pre-taped stuff that can be edited pretty heavily. So that aspect I thought was interesting, but the vibe was better tonight. The crowd was good. The, the pacing was good. It was, it was very good. I mean, in well, more to go, but it was good. Considering that last July, D'Angelo Williams had the best match on Slammiversary. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was pretty excited for this card based on some of the people they had on there because... Ah oh, man, it got rough. Somebody brings up a good uh a good point. Which would you rather have? A 55-year-old tag champion or a 10-year-old tag champion? Um, I didn't so I didn't totally hate the Nicholas thing like the Oh, other. how dare you? So I obviously like at WrestleMania, I know why people got a little butthurt about it. Mm-hmm. Um and I get it, because like, you know, people take belts very seriously in wrestling. There's a lot of, you know, belt people, a lot of belt fans. Um, but they got rid of the like the next night. They just kind of like made a joke about it, and that makes it worse to me because I'm like, what was the point? Because they wanted obviously they had no intent. I, I would have enjoyed Braun just walking in there and and just beating the, the crap out of both those dudes and just walking out with the belts. But obviously the stipulation was he needed a partner. But yeah. but it's also you know it's WrestleMania though too, so I see why people were, were so upset with it. But I, I have no problem with with either. I think Scott Steiner as a tag team champion in 2018 is hilarious because they can. I mean, he the the promo stuff he was doing with Eli on TV leading up to this was getting a lot of a lot of people were enjoying. I mean, people that I mean, you ha- you have to understand this. When I told everybody on like Monday that I was going to review an Impact pay per view with Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful, they go, "Wait, what? A sa- what?" First of all, they were very confused at the simulcast presentation. Second, <laughs> they were confused why we would be sitting here voluntarily watching a three hour Impact pay per view because the the general consensus around this brand is not good. And I, and I know that like impact hardcore fans that get really mad when people make that observation, but it's your, your, you have to live in reality at some point 
when you observe any kind of professional wrestling. And this company does not, and it hasn't for many, many years now. And there was an attempt a year ago around the same time to try to change that. And they were making, they were trying to make everybody aware of it. Um, but I think these little, these little entertainment steps, like having, having familiar faces with some new talent is something obviously they weren't very good at for a long time. So to have someone like Scott Steiner walk in at 55 and, and cut the promos that he was cutting on TV leading up to, I mean, that that's kind of the whole point of this is that they know it's going to be really easy television to have Scott Steiner as a champion cutting promos and walking around with a title. So I, I have no problem with it, and I had no really no issues with the Nicholas thing either. But I know it's like even like Drake's contract is up in like I think five six weeks. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. He's the strongest promo they have. Maybe the only great 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 promo they have outside of Conan. But um, that's that's a point that it's something I would worry about. We we talked about people who were agenting matches. Somebody mentioned Jimmy Jacobs probably does that. Whoever laid out. That OVE, Tommy Dreamer, Eddie Edwards, Moose match deserves some credit because I, I was probably least excited for this match than anything I've reviewed all month. Because I'm not a big OVE guy. I think not big on Tommy Dreamer these days. Yeah. And I've, I've never been the biggest Eddie Edwards fan either, even though he's good in the ring. But I thought they did they did awesome with this. I'm I'm excited to see what you think about it. Early on, Jake Chris gets powerbombed into an apron. Tommy Dreamer's still wearing those damn Dusty Rhodes novelty pants. Edwards eats an exploder suplex through a chair from Callahan. Moose does this Tope Con Hilo through a ladder that stands him right back up. It was so good. So good. Then there's this spot. Mother of God. It's called the All-Seeing Eye. The opponent is on one member of OVE's shoulders, while the other two members are also stacked up on shoulders. And then they do a diamond cutter off of that into a bunch of chairs. And at this point, I was like, okay, they're doing all these crazy spots. None of it looks sloppy. It's everything opposite of what I've seen out of OVE. I was, I was liking this halfway through. I, you know, when I was kind of feeling the same way, I'm not a big fan of garbage stuff. Um, and the one thing that really uh, you were, you were mentioning some of the spots in the match that were really good. I, I thought that was a good spot. I was a little nervous at when Sammy Callahan flipped Eddie Edwards back on that chair and Eddie started to grab his knee. And I was like, did he hurt him? Yeah. again?" I thought Eddie, Eddie did a good job. He fooled me. I thought he was hurt again. I, I the whole time I was like, Jesus. I mean, that's the new Sammy Callahan gimmick is that he's beating up people and showing no remorse for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are buying into it. Some people aren't. Um, I mean the, the baseball incident, I mean, I, they taped that what, like back in Ugh, January, uh, yeah, whatever it was that's they taped television, like eight months in advance, it feels mm-hmm. like, but that was obviously incredibly careless. Um, and I know he, I mean, we know from backstage information that he felt really, really bad about it, but then they decided to deviate and kind of, you know, make it a storyline, which is fine. I mean, that's kind of what the whole point of tonight's match was, but, um, I guess what really surprised me about this match that kind of took me off guard was thinking about how much the WWE has really pulled back on super, super violent presentation. Mm -hmm. And then when you see a match like this, where there's like thumbtacks and, and there's a ton of blood, like towards the end where he has Sammy up and I know I'm skipping ahead because I know you like to go into the finish, but that's whatever the visuals of that, of him being duct taped to the, to the ropes and almost like a crucifix position and the blood's running down his face and 
and Eddie's just beating the shit out of him with a kendo stick, and then he's beating up with me. And I mean, there was a lot of there was there was some very very powerful visuals in this match, and I thought that stuff was executed really well and surprised me. But even like I was like, wow, this is really it's funny because like this was like commonplace in wrestling for so long. Oh, and yeah, then when the WWE just kind of like pumps the brake on that stuff, and you're not really used to watching that on a weekly basis or even like a monthly basis. And they go such a long time. It was interesting. Like I was sitting there like, wow, this is really super, super violent. And they, they really went for, I mean, you're kind of right about Tommy dreamer. I mean, you're not going to get much out of him from a, from a physicality standpoint. So you have to kind of make up for that. But this was actually pretty good. I mean, I I'm with you. I think OVE stinks as a tag team and as a presentation, I'm still kind of on the fence about Sammy Callahan. Uh, I buy him as the nastiest dude they have. I buy him as that, like the most vile guy they have. Absolutely. I buy that. But it was just very violent. Very, very violent match tonight. Dreamer gets a Death Valley driver through a table at ringside uh, on, I think it was maybe in Callahan, one of the Chris brothers. Then there's this Boston knee party power powerbomb on Dave Christ through thumbtacks. Yeah. Moose died. Okay. So Dave Christ is laid across a couple of tables outside the ring. Moose dives onto him, but gets caught by Jake with a cutter through. So all three of them are wiped out. That was a great spot to wipe all those people out. And Dreamer had already been through a table on the other end. Callahan gets a bat to go after Eddie, but then Dreamer reemerges with a barbed wire bat. But then he gets punched in the penis and pinned. Yeah. <laughs> the new thing in professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. For all the stuff with AJ and Shinsuke. It's always exactly. The- Shinsuke Kak Nakamura, we call him. Exactly, yeah, I, there's been talk about. I have. N- I, it's just so strange to me. Some things that happened in wrestling. There was like, is AJ Styles going to start wearing a cup to the ring now? And it's just so funny. Yeah. These little subtle storyline things get people like talking on social media about stuff like that. That becomes part of the storyline. But the uh, it, I I just I get back to the the blood and and I mean I know WWE pulled that out at Mania with with Roman and Brock. Um, and it, it can be effective, but it is like, like, ha- like just like Sammy spitting blood in the face of Eddie and then Eddie taking the blood and wiping it on his face. And it was just kind of like, wow, like they're really, they're going for this man. They, 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 <laughs> they laid this out and they kind of knew what they were doing. And, and, you know, Tommy dreamer did good after the match when Eddie hit his wife with a kendo stick and he was acting concerned. And so I thought they did. I actually thought they did really good. I was kind of with you. I thought this was going to be terrible, but they yeah. uh, they did pretty good tonight. I, was I like, thought this was a great match, maybe my favorite or most exciting match on the show. But the angle afterwards, I've never seen Eddie Edwards had the chops like that, like the the acting chops. He duct tapes Callahan to the ring ropes, really beats the brakes off of him, cut him open with the uh, barbed wire bat, and then when like Dreamer and Moose try to get him to stop. Edwards has Adam with canes and then his wife, Alicia comes out to stop him, but reacts immediately. And Edwards just cracks her with the cane. Awesome angle. Awesome angle. I would have had Callahan there laughing his ass off, like with the blood streaming down his face and everything, like happy that he caused this, like almost like he, like he planned for it, but how could you plan for it type of thing? This was just really, really good stuff. The angle was really good. Great way to build it up. I thought this was good hardcore wrestling without it being like garbage or trash wrestling. Like there weren't light tubes or anything like that, thank God. And if WWE's not doing that and you have guys who can pull it off, you might as well do it. 
but there's times when it it stinks when it's executed. Oh yeah. I think back to the OVE LAX match at Bar for Glory where they were Horrible. just doing stuff in the crowd and 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 they were it was very it it became cliche pro wrestling hardcore, you know, presentation of well, we got to get a table in here, we got to get a chair, but this and I I don't know if it's because they just had so many people out there and they had so many different scenarios they could play out and it would work into the match, but I I was very surprised at uh, at how well this was because I was like you I was fully expecting it to uh, to stink. Yeah, pleasantly surprised. Allie defeated Sue Young to defend her Impact Knockouts Championship early on. Allie misses a sliding elbow by a mile, focuses her attention on Suter, which in a pro wrestling match where you're defending your title, I'm kind of like, uh, why do you care, lady? Like I get it, you've got history with him, real life, you're married and all that, but defending your title. This match was just there. Probably the worst match on the show, and I don't think it was a bad match. It was just there. Uh, the offense didn't look great, but it was it was the stuff happened match. Uh, there's always that one match on a show where stuff happened, and and they um, I don't know if it was if it was maybe bad placement for this um, where they put it, but they they definitely were focused like heavy on sue young like the i i wasn't a big fan of like the bloody glove and mandible claw like the it's like weird. the socko thing they were trying to go for um the the stuff with braxton doing you know distraction stuff at that ringside with ali i thought you know was was good you know like heel heat stuff which is pretty i mean it was it wasn't bad by any means but yeah i don't know like this was the one kind of segment on the show I would almost, and I, and I, again, I'm probably going to get the, oh, you hate women's wrestling, Adam, but the, the same vibe with the Tessa Blanchard thing of Tessa was screaming. So therefore I was not really paying attention to Taya and, and, and Hogan. And with this match, I really was intrigued to see kind of Sue Young's kind of presentation and how she was going to handle this on kind of a, a bigger platform. And I think there's some stuff there. Some of the mannerisms are a little, I mean, because you kind of already have someone doing this in this company named Rosemary. So it's kind of like, obviously, I don't know if that's in the in the works. They're going to have those two girls work together down the line. But I, I obviously, you know, you get a very, I, at least I do, a very heavy Rosemary vibe off her gimmick. But it obviously they, they had Braxton there for a reason to kind of play off of it a little bit, which, you know, we how many people were missed in the face tonight, too? Was there at least two or three different spots where people were spit in the face tonight, it feels like? So code breakers and being spit in the face with five tonight in Orlando, I guess. So yeah, very, very meh tonight from those two girls. Braxton does propose to Sue young. She says, no, as you mentioned, missed in the face. Vandible claw. Allie had rolled up Sue young for the win. Sue young's all right though. I'm glad that they, they brought her in. What I ask you though, do they bring in rich Swan for the July tapings when he's contractually available? Uh, no, I, I say stay as far away as you can from that dude. Uh, I bet they do. I bet they do. They might though. They, they're, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm getting a weird vibe from that dude, man. That was a weird scenario. No, as has it well, been? He and Sue Young, I mean, man, Sue Young's had her issues as well. Like, so that's, that's the tough thing because there was an issue at last year's WrestleMania weekend where Sue Young pretty much got cut banned from a promotion for some some questionable behavior so that immediately drew some questions sounds like a rough situation all around with those two but we'll see how it goes main event time impact world championship pentagon jr becomes the impact world champion 
as he defeats Austin Aries and his brother Ray Phoenix, Pentagon's brother, that is. Good stuff. Another one, as, as it happened, I was just like, I just hope this match doesn't lay an egg for some reason. I didn't think it would, considering these three. But I wanted Impact to do good. And when this closed out, I was like, you know what? It was a pretty good show. Uh, they had some great fast work early on. Phoenix breaks up the last chancery with a springboard drop kick across the ring. About two minutes later, breaks up another one. There's this cool spot where Aries is tossed over the top rope, but lands on Pentagon's shoulders and doesn't hear a Kenrana. Phoenix follows outside with a twisting body press and back inside hits a swanton. The early minutes of this were a real showcase for Ray Phoenix. He looked good. Aries goes for a brainbuster on Phoenix, and Pentagon German suplexes Aries. And I'll use the air quotes here because it wasn't really a German suplex. He like put his hands around Aries' waists and leaned backwards a little bit, but he was already on his ass, I think. Like that was not a German suplex. No, he fell backwards is basically what he did. He basically grabbed his waist and just tipped backwards. He did like a trust fall with Austin. We'll call that a Yugoslavian suplex. <laughs> it was not a German suplex. The Germans would not be happy oh, with that. that. <laughs> uh, the crowd thinks that Phoenix got a three, but he and Pentagon still battle it out with Aries outside. This mirrors their match that they had at WrestleCon because Pentagon would win that match with Aries on the outside. Pentagon scores with the Pentagon driver which also won that match at WrestleCon. But then Aries hit a 450 on both opponents at kick out. There's just a really cool sequence where Pentagon has a gory special on and does a package pile driver. He is a special, really, he and Phoenix both are special kinds of talents. Eventually, Pentagon breaks the arm of Aries, gets the Pentagon driver for the win. How are you feeling about Pentagon as Impact Wrestling Champion? Uh, the fact that this is probably one of the first times I've watched Pentagon Junior wrestle should tell really? you about how I feel about this. Um, I so I'm just not so like I remember watching one episode of Lucha Underground and being like, "Wow, I have just no interest in this whatsoever." Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of wrestling fans really liked it. I had a lot of people that have tapped out on WWE that I knew personally that were asking me, "Hey, have you been watching this Lucha Underground thing?" And I was like, "Yeah, I didn't think it was very good." The first season was great. Other than that, it kind of Kind of dip. Okay. The Pentagon build in season one was great. Uh, Son of Havoc, Ivalice, and Angelico's build was one of my favorites. Uh, but other than that, there wasn't a lot that I fell in love with about Lucha Underground. Well, and then that's the thing is that you've seen Pentagon, and I would assume you've seen Phoenix a lot. So you had kind of a expectation level i had zero expectation level for both these guys i was very impressed with them i will say the offense looked really good there was that little botch i think it was phoenix where he tried to springboard off the top rope that didn't work he tried again that didn't work so then he scaled the ropes and he flipped again and that was commentary we were talking about that earlier about how they were saying man there must be something wrong with that corner tonight um which does kind of happen but there was some very cool stuff in this austin aries I, I guess I was totally expecting him to retain tonight, but they do seem like they are full bore on this Lucha Underground Impact partnership. They were flashing the graphic. They were reminding everybody about the premiere that's coming up right before the main event started. So that was 100% the vibe of tonight's show was that there's clearly a little bit of a bigger partnership than maybe I was under the impression they had beyond 
the whole WrestleCon thing. I mean, they're really pushing this stuff. And so I think that could be interesting um, as kind of a way to, to kind of mix things up because I don't know if Austin Aries as champion is really lighting your promotion on fire at, at the same yeah. time. So maybe this is a good move to kind of pivot with somebody that maybe you weren't expecting or somebody that is relatively new to you. Cause I can, I can tell you a lot of the people uh, that, that we sit here on YouTube and talk to you probably have never seen Pentagon wrestle. They probably never seen Phoenix wrestle. So these are kind of newer characters to them, not everybody, but, but a, a good majority. So maybe this could be intriguing for someone that says, Hey, you know, cause I, I did see Scott DeMore say with sports illustrated, they want to earn back one fan at a time. So maybe this is maybe this is that move. They say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna pivot to more of a, a lucha character as our representation, as our champion." Lucha Underground's coming back. You know, it's it's a lot of shared promotion um, coming off of this main event. I was I'll be honest, I was surprised. I was like, "Wow, we're really all right. We're doing this." So thought the match was good. Um, I just kind of assumed stupidly that you know this was an Impact show. It was an Impact pay per view, and Austin Aries is the belt collector. He just got another belt, so he's gonna. Keep yeah. This- oh. Well, Pentagon is an arm-breaking machine. Ray Phoenix is as good of a high flyer as I, I see in wrestling today outside of maybe Ricochet's really Ricochet's really good by the way he sells and he puts things together and he makes some of his flips make sense and that I can appreciate. But other than that, I thought this was the best in-ring pay-per-view that Impact is. I can't remember the last in-ring from beginning to end that just didn't have any bad matches. Like there's nothing that I watched that I said, okay, bad match. In all but one match, I said, okay, that was a good match. Also, I want to ask you, what do you think of Impact's new championships? Um, I mean, they're obviously better than a bumper sticker over the GFW logo. So that's, that's also true. How, uh, how did they, so they, they ended up owning the championships, but yeah. not the names or the logos or anything else. No, that was really strange. And we later found out that they, they I'm going to use air quotes, purchased Global Force Wrestling, but they actually didn't. Um, yeah. There was a press release about it. And then when they parted ways with Jeff, that was such a confusing thing from a, I mean, you couldn't get anybody in that company to tell you what was going on. I mean, I remember Josh Matthews is like, well, because they, they went from promoting Bound for Glory with GFW initials and mm-hmm. social media on the website, also Global Force and GFW and all the belts at Global Force. So we were like, okay, we're, we're doing this global force thing. Um, and then that just all completely went away when the Jeff Jarrett thing went away. Um, so yeah, this, this has been, and they've been, they, they look like they bought and paid for bumper stickers and just slapped an impact logo over all those belts. And they had, they, they're definitely rebranding with that blue color. There was the, the GFW belts had green all over them, the big bright neon green. And so there's definitely been, you know, uh, identity crisis with this company in the last year and even the last six months, but they, they're making changes. I just, I don't know. And I guess I should ask you this question too. I mean, I don't, I don't think wrestling fans are that patient and, and I, I'll be honest, all the feedback, I mean, obviously, you know, misery loves company, but like a lot of people are like white, white covering the show tonight. White, white, what's, 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 what's the point of this? And it's a job, it's a job, but is it, but in this, in the grand scheme of things, and I, and this is the one line I've always heard about this company is if this company goes out of business, it hurts the wrestling industry. I don't agree with that whatsoever. Um, I think at one point I kind of felt that way when there was big money contracts and there was 
advertising and there was a moment where they were starting to get a little return on their investment, especially with their overseas uh, television deals and their distribution. But now it's like, you know, Anthem is now in the wrestling industry and the guy that's running that portion of Anthem that's now in charge of this clearly has. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, in over his head. So it's like, at what point do we sit here? Drew the short straw. He said at one point, the short straw. Exactly. So you gotta be like, I'm seeing some Twitter feedback because I was mocking the million people watching comment, but it's like, Mm -hmm. Are, are wrestling fans that naive? Like, do they not, are they just kind of in the, I hate everything the WWE does, therefore everything outside of that company's great? Or, I mean, I don't know. That being said, I mean, I think it's a positive move for Impact. Their, their numbers reflect the changes that they've made because they were down to like 200 some thousand. Yeah. January 11th, I think they hit 276,000 and, April 19th, they hit 373. The week before that, 381. March 29th, they were at 399. So they're getting a little bit closer to consistently pushing up towards 400,000 viewers. Now, is that great numbers? No, it's not. But good shows like this do build goodwill. And there are, if positive buzz does help, because, man, it's sometimes it's tough. Some people will never give impact another chance. And you said they've had an identity crisis last year. It's been even a little longer than that, maybe 16 months because of the TNA thing. And nobody knew if they were officially impact or TNA and Dixie wouldn't let it go. And who's owning that? Who owns the company? Is it Aerolux? Is it Billy Corgan? Is it Dixie Carter? It, it, it was a mess. And hopefully a show like this brings a sense of optimism to fans and the company. And hopefully it helps out. Uh, you know, there was, there were often those those rumblings of impact wrestling morale backstage. You can't have morale in a company like that because you have, the same people are never around and you work a week and you don't come back for four months. So, I mean, <laughs> what morale? It's not like they're showing up every Monday. Like on Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm texting wrestlers that are backstage at WWE all the time. Like, how are things? What's going on? Anything go down. There's morale there. For Impact, they, they tape for one week every three or four months. That's it. There's no morale. So, And now they're sticking with uh, Canada. They're going to Toronto for Slammiversary in July. Yeah. Um, it looked like, at first I was like, are they going to Vegas? It looked like a Vegas, like, I, it brought me back to when they went to Vegas that one year in the early days of the HD era and like on Spike TV, but it's some complex in Toronto. Uh, I'll find out more about it. We're, we're based out of Toronto, so I'll find out more about it this week. But the promo looked great. It did. It did. It looked very good. But, but we're sticking because isn't TV tapings in uh, Windsor, Ontario? Is that where they're going next in June? I'm not sure. I think they have some this week, though. Obviously, but Orlando, yeah. But I don't know. So it's. I, I remember that was that was a big uh, talking point. Was are they going to become a largely Canadian-based production company, mm-hmm. television deal in the United States? That's owned. I mean, it's a Canadian-owned company, so it kind of makes sense if they were going to make that leap. But yeah, I, I think they wanted to, but they didn't have the right venue. That's I think they true. wanted to do that all along. They just didn't have the right setup to make that a a reality absolutely which which makes sense i mean there's a lot of 
production costs that, you know, we can sit here and criticize them for production stuff, but that's not cheap to do. Um, and they, and they have to make things work with, with what they have. But I, I, I would, I would say overall, this show should be better received than what bound for glory was in October. Although I saw a lot of wrestlers jump on Twitter and say, Oh, I, if you didn't like our show, then you're the problem. And it was just like, wow, like yeah, that naive. I mean, that, I, I know there's, you know, the Trevor Lee's giving Dave Meltzer the middle finger in the corner, you know, thing. And, but you can't be that naive. I mean, you, you have to know what the brand is, how it's being received in the public. And I, I think they know deep down inside. Um, I mean, there was a joke made about it on WWE television a few weeks ago. So it's not like we're just sitting here, you know, yeah. things up. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an obvious hurdle. Don Callis, Scott, Demore are trying to get out in front of that. Um, I, I wish them well, I I'm with you. I thought the stuff Scott, Demore did as Booker for TNA in the very early spike TV days was good. Um, I really liked the stuff that he did, but I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to, they're, they're obviously producing more. They had this show, they got a uh, slammiversary coming up in July. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to lead to more, more live events. Um, Scott was talking a lot about that in that sports illustrated story about, you know, how they're taking baby steps with, with their expansion, but I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I feel like this, this is, this can be kind of a mentally draining company to pay attention to. You just talked about all the scenarios they faced with ownership with Billy Corgan and Dixie Carter and lawsuits and Jeff Jarrett coming in and leaving and a Canadian company purchasing them and starting a streaming network, which doesn't actually stream a lot of their new content outside of televisions. It's a, it's, it's an uphill battle. I give them credit for wanting to take that on, but it's not going to be easy at all. Well, that's Impact Wrestling Redemption. Guys, thank you all for joining us on this simulcast. You can follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. You can follow us at Fightful Online and visit Fightful.com. We cover MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. If you don't like boxing or MMA, you can just head over to FightfulWrestling.com. Adam, tell the people over at Fightful about WrestleView. You've been around forever. Yeah. <laughs> forever. That's a- forever. That might be the best problem. You guys have been around forever. Yeah, we're celebrating uh, 20 years of WrestleView this year, which is pretty crazy. Um, so we've jumped into the YouTube world of, of YouTube podcasting. We've always done some form of podcasting, but we've recently jumped into that. Um, we're usually only live after pay-per-views. Um, we're not as aggressive as Sean and the Fightful crew because those guys do a lot of uh, good content after TV shows. Uh, but we, uh, we jump on after pay-per-views. We do a show called WrestleView Live, which we're simulcasting right now between WrestleView and Fightful. Um, and we break down all those shows. And of course, WrestleView, we stay busy just covering wrestling in general. Um, always got live coverage of all kinds of TV shows and pay-per-views and feature articles and a whole bunch of great stuff. So uh, I guess I should also thank Sean for, for doing this because I honestly, I, I messaged you, I was like, you know, there's literally nobody on my staff that wants to pay attention to Impact Wrestling. <laughs> I was going to have to sit here and cover the show tonight. And I was like, I really don't want to sit here by myself. I can do it. But then I went back and I was like, I noticed Sean was sitting by himself in October. Yeah. Watch Bound for Glory. So I was like, well, what if we just kind of embrace this Impact Lucha Underground stuff and do it with WrestleView and, and Fightful? So I, I had a good yeah, man. I eventually review everything. NXT, Ring of Honor. It, it all happens. It's just... It's a lot to take in, as I'm sure you know. It's too much. Too much wrestling. Way too much. Guys, thank you all so much. We are out. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.